You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Bible, turn with you to Mark chapter number four this morning, if you would. Mark chapter number four. What a good song, Standing Amazed. The Bible tells us to stand in awe of God. That's really the only explanation, the only, uh, the only conclusion to the matter. When you consider God, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing how He created everything out of nothing. Isn't it? It's amazing how He guided and guarded His children through the wilderness. It's amazing how He sent His Son Jesus, born of a virgin, to live a sinless life. It's amazing how Jesus could die to give us eternal life. It's amazing how he didn't stay buried, but he came out of the tomb. It's amazing. Now, if I were you, I wouldn't get excited about it either, but I just think it's kind of amazing that that's who our God is and what a good song that it is. It's good to be in church on Sunday morning. It's always good to be in church, but especially good on Sunday morning. And thank thank you for being here and being faithful. And here's what I want more than anything else. I want God to speak to our hearts. I always say this whenever I go preach somewhere else. I don't know what God's going to do. But I know God wants to do something, and God desires to meet the need of the hour. If you're able to stand, please stand with me as we read the Word of God together. And we're going to read a very familiar text of Scripture. I guess we could even say a famous text of Scripture. Most people are well acquainted with this story, but let's read it together. Verse 35 down through the end of the chapter of Mark chapter number 4. I love the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark shows Jesus as perpetually active. He's busy. He's serving. And by the way, that's why he came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And I guess if it was good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for the Christian that we had to be busy serving as well. Verse number 35, here's what the Bible says. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master. By the way, he's the only one worthy of that title. Carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples were definitely not storm chasers, but they are being chased by a storm. They find themselves in the midst of a situation they did not expect, they had not planned for, and they didn't think they deserved to be in necessarily. But it didn't change the fact they were in it. In the midst of this storm, the Bible said a storm of wind. You know what's bad about that? You can see lightning and you can hear thunder, but wind comes out of nowhere. Unexpected storm they're in the midst of. They look and Jesus isn't doing what they think Jesus ought to be doing in their storm. And it causes them out of anxiety to assume that maybe he's not that interested in helping them. Maybe he doesn't love them like they thought he did. Now, they know who he is, but he's just not doing what he ought to be doing in their estimation. And it leads them to ask this question, Master? By the way, he was master before the storm, he was master in the storm, and he was master after it. 
They say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? In essence, they're saying, God, do you even care about us? God, do you even care about me? God, do you even care? For a little while this morning, I'm going to use that as the title from my message, and I just want to preach on that for a little while. God, do you even care? With everything that everyone is going through in these days, I don't doubt that there's more than one person here today that has asked that. Maybe not audibly, but in your heart, you've wondered, God, what in the world is going on? Do you even care about me? Let's pray. God, I pray for your power, please. I pray that you'd help me to preach this message the way that you've placed it upon my heart. And I pray that you'd also knit it to the hearts of the people here today. I pray you'd help us to see the story and to see the truths that are in it. We ask you to get the glory from it. Help somebody today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to say where it was, but recently I was preaching in another state. And often when I preach someplace else, after I'm done preaching, after I turn off the invitation, what I do is I go to the back of the church building and I get ready to shake the hands of the people as they come out. Usually, especially now that it's fall, I take a jacket with me and I take off my suit coat and I trade it out for the jacket so when I stand by the door, I just don't get sick from the cold air in the other parts of the country. I walked back to the back of the church and went through the foyer. The foyer's large, about as large as ours, and went to the pastor's office right off of the foyer. And as I walked into that office, the door did not shut behind me. I didn't hear it shut and I turned around and a man had stuck his arm in the door and had come into the office. It scared me, to be honest with you, because I looked at his face, and his face was red, and his eyes were sort of wide open. There were tears running down his face, and my first reaction was, I said something while I preached that made him mad. I thought he was angry, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I had preached that night a message I preached here back in August on there's no need to doubt him now, about how God knows what he's doing in your life, and I preached that there, and I talked about how God loves us, and God directs our steps, and God cares for us. That man looked at me in the eye, and he said something to me that I'll, I don't think I'll ever get over it. In fact, it was the inspiration for the message this morning. He looked at me and said, you're trying to tell me that God cares about me? And I looked at him and said, yes, sir, I'm sure he cares about you. He said, well, let me tell you. He said, I, I put my daughter in a casket three weeks ago. And he told me the story of his daughter, who was pretty much my age and very healthy and passed away, and they have no cause of death, can't explain it whatsoever. And he looked at me with those tears in his eyes. He said, you're trying to tell me God cares about me? Now, don't hold the man guilty and don't think ill of him. The wind was blowing in his life and the waves were beating not just on the boat but into the ship. And from what he was experiencing and how he felt and what he could see, it sort of seemed like to him that maybe God didn't care. And he asked the question, God, do you even care about me? I was reading an article the other day, and I wouldn't recommend the publication, but it was on my social media from the Huffington Post. It's a liberal publication. But it was an article about uh, teen suicide and the rate thereof. And I was looking at the article, and I just skimmed through it, and there was a snapshot, a picture in the article of a suicide note that was left by a girl who had since taken her life. And the suicide note said this, no one even cares if I live or I die, and she took her life. Now, don't think too poorly of whoever that person was. No doubt the wind was blowing and the waves were rocking her vessel and the water was coming into the ship. And from her estimation and from what she felt, it just seemed like nobody even cared if she lived or died and she took her life. God, do you even care about me? The psalmist said it in Psalm 142 and verse 4. He said, no man cared for my soul. 
Jeremiah felt like that as Jeremiah looked at the city that he loved and he saw the ravaging of his city and the captivity of his people. He sat there and he seems, said, it seems like nobody else is moved by what they see in the city. Nobody else is stirred by it. And he said, is it nothing to you all that passed by? He said, does nobody care about this city? Paul felt the same way. Paul wrote to a group of Christians and he wanted to send someone there to help them and be a minister to them. But he had to say this, I have no man like-minded. He said, there's nobody that cares like I care. There's nobody that has a drive like my drive. There's nobody with compassion like my compassion. And as I search the scene of those that I could send, there seems to be no one that cares. And don't hold him accountable for that. No doubt it just looked like that and it felt like that. And sometimes in our life, when the wind is blowing and the waves rock the vessel and the water is not just around the ship but in the ship. It can seem like that. The weakness of our flesh and it cries out, God what are you doing, God? Where are you at, God? Do you even care? We sing the hymn sometimes and ask the question, does Jesus care? Here in chapter number four it begins with Jesus preaching parables and it ends with Jesus stilling a storm. If you study out the book of Mark, chapter 3 through chapter 5, it's great because in chapter 3, Jesus shows his authority over the scribes. In chapter number 5, he shows his authority over Satan. And in chapter 4, our chapter, he shows his authority over, uh, over the storms of life. Now, we look at verse 35 through the end of the chapter, and it shows us Jesus stilling a storm. I want you to notice, and I'll give you a little bit of an outline, the direction or the desire of Christ to his disciples in verse number 35. Look what it says. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now you know that Jesus has been preaching all day long. He's been ministering to the multitude. And now he has a desire to get his disciples, his inner circle, and to depart with them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I like what he says, let us. He said, I'm going to get in the boat with you and we're going to go somewhere. And can I say that is God's purpose for my life and God's purpose for your life as well. He didn't save you to leave you sit where he found you, but he saved us to take us somewhere. He's working in our life. He's conforming us to the image of his son. And there's a will of God for my life and for yours. The disciples are in this ship. Now they're in the ship and the Bible said they set sail at even. That means they're sailing in the darkness. They're out in the midst of the Sea of Galilee with no light whatsoever. Maybe the flickering lights of lamps from the other little ships out on the sea, but that would be the only light that they could see from their vantage point. While they're out in the middle of this sea, we find not just the direction of Christ, but the dire circumstance that arises there on the sea. The Bible says that a storm rises up on the water. Look how the Bible describes it in verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Picture it in your mind. Here are these disciples in the midst of this ship. Now at least three of these men on that boat were professional commercial fishermen. They understood how to work a rigging. They understood how to navigate the sea. But this storm was something unlike they'd ever experienced before. They're in the midst of the darkness. And now there's a discouraging thing that takes place. The water begins to rise up so much that it's not just around the ship, but it is in the ship. The wind is howling. They're scared to death. The Bible said the boat is full of those waves. It's loaded down with that anxiety 
anxiety. It is loaded down with that burden. It is loaded down with that care. And can I say, sometimes life in this world does that to you, and it does that to me. Sometimes our vessel is not just in the sea of life, but it seems like life pours over and wave upon wave and torrent upon torrent fills our vessel with that anxiety and those burdens and those cares and those disciples in the midst of that situation. We find them in these circumstances. It causes them to have some conjecture. It causes them to wonder. They look in the ship and see the Savior there. Now you think that'd be enough to give them faith just the fact that he's there. But they see the Savior in the ship and the Bible says in verse 38 and he was in the hinder part of the ship. Look what he's doing. Asleep on a pillow and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? That's an amazing thing to consider seeing these men had given up everything they ever knew to follow this person. It's an amazing thing to think that they were ridiculed by their family yet pressed on. They gave up their occupation yet they pressed on. That they were the laughing stock of their former religion yet they pressed on to follow that man and now all of a sudden because of the circumstances that they're in, because he wasn't working according to the clock in their mind, because of his conduct, he's sleeping there on that pillow. They begin to think he doesn't even care about us. Can you imagine? That is not how they planned their life. They didn't plan to get in the middle of the sea, in the middle to the darkness, surrounded by the wind, just to get caught in that storm and the Savior be sleeping. And when they saw those circumstances, that's when they began to question the watch care and the love of God in their life. And can I say, that's what happens in my life and in yours. When our focus gets off of Him and who He is onto what we feel and what we're going through, sometimes we'll doubt the love and care of God in our life. Not only that, He didn't steal the storm when they thought He should. They, they probably thought immediate deliverance friends. Immediately get us to the other side. It's 12 and a half miles to the other side. Not every trip is going to be a quick one, but thank God there's another side. But they thought he should call it immediately. And then he's sleeping. He ought not be sleeping. He ought to be standing. He ought to be speaking. He ought to be saying something to settle the situation. And they cry out from their heart, do you even care about us? Now listen, be easy on them. These aren't bad men. And these aren't unbelieving men. These are saved people, spiritual people, serving people, but they are scared people. They are in the midst of something that they did not expect to get in the middle of, and their flesh causes them to question and say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They're asking God, the one who gave us life, do you care about us? God, the one who gives us grace every day, do you care about us? The God who shows us love and mercy, do you care about us? The God that clothes the fields with the lilies and waters the ground and feeds the animals and knows the birds and numbers our hair and names the stars. God, do you care about us? That God of compassion, that God of salvation, that God of that second chance, do you even care? I want to remind you this morning that that hymn I mentioned formally in the message, it asked the question, does Jesus care? But to get to the chorus and the hymn writer says it without any stammering tongue or hesitation, he said, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. My, his heart is touched with my grief. And I'm here to tell you that the same God that was the storm stiller in Mark chapter 4 is still the God that cares for his children in 2021. And when the wind blows and the waves rock the vessel and the water's filled into the ship, can I say it doesn't change the fact, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. And I like what happens in verse number 39. This 
Jesus stands up with a declaring conclusion and he says to the wind and the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The Bible said it was a great storm in verse 37 and he matched it with a great calm in verse 39 just to remind him that he was God. He is God and he'll ever be God and he's in the storm stealing business. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. Sometimes it might not feel like it. Sometimes you might not think it, but I'm here to say this morning, whoever you are, whatever the situation, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that knows you. There's a God that's aware of you and there's a God that cares. I understand sometimes the atmosphere can lead to the assumption because of our anxiety and we wonder, does God not even think on me? Does he not love me? Does he not care for me? But you'll not find me one example in our Bible of God failing his children or God forsaking his own. Thank God he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. This one thing I know, there's not a friend like the lonely Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Others might forsake. Others might forget. And others might fail. But he's forever faithful in our life. Thank God he cares today. Psalm 40 and verse 17 says, but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. This morning you can cast your care at an idol but you'll get no return. You can cast your care on your finance and you'll get no return. You can cast your care on your doctor and you'll get no return. You can cast your care on a person and you'll get no return but you cast your care upon Jesus and he's more than able to bear the burden and take care of your care. He cared before and he cares now. He reminds the disciples that he cares always. He cares anyhow, and he cares abundantly. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our sinfulness and our frailty. He knows that we fall and fail him every day, and yet he cares for us. It's like asking, does the heavenly father care for his children? Does the heavenly shepherd care for his sheep? Does the heavenly bridegroom really care for his bride? I found out he cares. Maybe you're here today and you're in that situation. Every time I go someplace, and I know what happens here, the pastor always tells me, so-and-so from other places, so-and-so, I have these people in my church, they're going to lose their job this week. Happens all the time all over the country. I preached in Ohio back in September, and one-third of that plant, the men had to walk out, lost their jobs. Maybe you're in an unsettling season, a stormy season in your life. You've been hurt. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's our country. Maybe you just feel lost or lonely or you've been let down and you would say, but preacher, you don't understand. The wind is blowing in my life. It seems like the shadows are overtaking me. It seems like the water is not just surrounding my vessel, but it's coming into the vessel. And it just seems like God doesn't care. I have prayed and God has not answered. I have worried and God's given no relief. I have tried and it just hasn't worked out. I've waited and God hasn't moved and there's a great storm raging. I want to say it again. Our God is the God of Mark chapter number four and he's the God who's stilled the storm then and he can still it today. He knows and he cares and he sees and he cares and he understands and he cares. You might not have a home that cares or a parent that cares or a spouse that cares. You might not have a friend in this world that truly cares, but there is a God in heaven. You cannot call into question. You cannot find any fault in him. He always cares for his children. He cares about the worry. He cares about the pressure. He cares about the heartache. He cares about the decision. He cares about the dilemma. He cares about the delay. 
He cares about the day that we live in. Here's what David said. I've been young and now I'm old. He said, but there's one thing I've never seen. He said, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of heartache. I've seen a lot of trouble. I've seen a lot of burdens. I've seen a lot of problems. But there's one thing I can't give you a case study in. There's one thing I can't give you a picture of. There's one thing I can't tell a tale about. I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never, I will never leave thee nor for I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He said, here's one thing I know. He said, there might be a day you lose your job. There might be a day you bury your spouse. There might be a day you get a disease. There might be a day a friend hurts your heart. There might be a day your children break your spirit. But there's never a moment. There's never a time. There's never a day when God will leave you or forsake you. You'll never go without. When you're a child of God, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Psalm 61, 2. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He's above the wind. He's above the waves. He's above the shadow. There he is. Lead me to the rock. Your doubt won't kill his care. Your worry does not kill his care. Your fear does not kill his care. Your frustration does not kill his care. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still, the Bible said. Search the scriptures and here's what you'll find. God cares for the fallen. God cares for the hurting. God cares for the worried. God cares for the weary. God cares for the servant. God cares for the prodigal. God cares for the poor. God cares for the wealthy. God cares for the weak. God cares for the mighty. God cares for the young. God cares for the old. God cares for the family. God cares for the individual. God cares for the fearful. God cares for the faithful. God cares for that which is temporal, and he cares so much for that which is eternal. And I want to say, oh yes, the Heavenly Father, he sure does care for his children. And yes, the Heavenly shepherd sure does care for his sheep and yes the heavenly bridegroom sure does care for his bride oh how precious also are thy thoughts unto me oh God I know he cares I could take you to Calvary and prove that he cares I could take you to answer prayer and prove that he cares I could take you to the provision he gives me every day and prove that he cares I could take you to clothes on my back and shoes on my feet and prove that he cares I could take you to the health I have and say he cares I could take you to his comfort I could take you to his goodness I could take you over and over again to show you that God cares. Let me just give you a list. I don't want you to get bored with it, but I, I took the time to write it down, so I'm going to take the time to say it. I found that he cares. Think about this. The lepers found that he cared. The lame found that he cared. The sick found that he cared. Those possessed with demons found that he cared. The children found that he cared. Kings found that he cared. The outcasts found that he cared. I wrote it down. Adam found out Jesus cares when you fall. Noah found out Jesus cares when you stand. Abraham found Jesus cares when you stand out by faith. David found Jesus cares when a giant's in front of you. Elijah found Jesus cares when you're discouraged. Job found Jesus cares when you're in a tragedy. The Hebrew children found Jesus cares when your faith is on trial. Samson found out Jesus cares when you mess it all up. Paul found out Jesus cares when all others forsake. John found out Jesus cares when you're all alone. Gideon found out Jesus cares when you're greatly outnumbered. Daniel found out he cares when you're persecuted. The thief on the cross found out he cares when you're guilty. Daniel found out he cares when you're persecuted. Rahab found out he cared when you're undeserving. Ruth found out he cares when you're unwanted. The widow found out he cares when you have a great need. Lazarus found out he cares when all hope is gone. The Samaritan woman found out he cared when your life is a wreck. Hannah found out he cares when you have an unfulfilled prayer request. Esther found out he cares when the odds are stacked against you. Moses found out he cared when you need a way through a wilderness. Jeremiah 
Jeremiah found that he cares. When you have to have an answer to prayer, the impotent man found he cares. When you have no man, you've got the God man. And oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. You're here this morning and it's heavy on your heart. It's the talk of your home. It's the trouble that keeps you awake at night. And I want you to understand something. It might not take your anxiety away, but ought to help a little bit that if Jesus could rest on a pillow in the storm, you can rest your head on your pillow at night that he can still the storm. I'll just give you a couple of points and be through. Number one, here's some things to remember in your storm. Remember his presence. In verse number, uh, in verse number 35, he said, let us pass over under the other side. Hebrews 13, 5, I quoted a minute ago, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Romans 8, he said, I, I don't think there's anything that can separate us from the love of God. He's saying wherever we go, the love of God is there. The psalmist said, it doesn't matter if I go up to take the wings of the morning. He said, go to the uttermost parts of the sea, go down to hell. He said, thou art there. He said, everywhere I go, God's there with me. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. And I tell you, I'd never choose valley, but if the shepherd goes through it, I guess it's okay to go through it. And I'd never choose storm, but if the captain sails with you, I guess it's okay. And I'd never choose battle, but if the general stands by me, I guess I can fight the fight. Amen. I'd never choose sickness, but if the great physician says, I'll be with you in your sickness, then I guess it's okay to walk through the sickness. Why? Wherever I go, he follows. And wherever I go, he leads. In goodness and mercy, tell me every step of the journey, I've got his presence. Number two, don't, even, don't just think about his presence, but think about his perception. I like what it says in verse 35, the second part of the verse, let us pass over. But watch what it says, under the other side. I like that. Victory was already anchored in the promise of God before the storm ever rose. Your victory is already anchored in what God has promised you in his Bible before you even get to your dilemma. Before you get to your peril, you've got a promise that gives us the promise of victory on the other side. I already told you it's a 12 and a half mile sail across the Sea of Galilee from one side to the other at its widest part. That's a long time. That's a slow journey. But there is another side. Thank God for the other side. What he's saying is you're not going to be on this side forever. I'm taking you somewhere. I know it feels like it's forever and I know you might think it's never going to change. But God will and the will. You're not always going to be in that valley that you're in right now. You're not always going to be uh, birthing ulcers in your belly over what you're worried with today. That heartache that's there, it won't always be the same. God can take care of that. Thank God there is another side to the thing. And I like what the Savior said. He saw the end at the beginning. You and I can't see the end from the beginning, but thank God he already knows what he's doing. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all I've got to do is follow him. The presence, the perception. Think about this. Look at his posture, verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. Look what he's doing. He's asleep. He'd have been a good church member, would he not? We should invite him here on a Sunday morning. He's asleep. He's not biting his nails. He's not, uh, he's not wringing his hands. He's not pacing the deck of the ship. He is asleep. You know what that means? He's not worried about it. <laughs> he's not nervous. He's not caught off guard. He's not surprised by what you're surprised by. He's not shaken by what shakes you. He's not moved by what might move you. And thank God for that. In that storm, if they had an idol in that ship, it'd bounce all over the boat. If they'd had something carved with the hands of man, or if they'd had a, just a human, like a preacher, a pope on there, those disciples were scared to death. But thank God when God's on board, he says, you know what, fellas, what worries you doesn't bother me a bit. 
And I know it's too big, and I know it's too hard, I know it's too expensive, and I know it's too great, whatever it might be in your life, but not for God. Number, number next, number four, the presence, the perception. Think about his posture. Now think about his power. You see what they call him? I mentioned it a minute ago in verse number, uh, verse number 38. They said to him, Master. Master. He's the only one worthy of that title. Master, carest thou not that we perish? I want to say, what are you talking about? Don't you understand boats, Peter? You're a fisherman, aren't you? Don't you understand how a ship works? Well, where in the world is Jesus lying? At the control. <laughs> he's in the back of the ship. He's at the, he's at the steering wheel. He's reminding them, I'm asleep because I'm not worried about it. Plus, I'm still in control while we're in the midst of the storm. Can I say when things are out of your control, they're not out of his control. When things are too big for your hands, they still fit in his. God does all things well. Amen. He's in control. I know it's easy preaching and hard living, but it doesn't change the truth. He's at the stern of the ship in your life. Thank God. He stands there at the ready, at the wheel to direct your steps. His power. He's master. He was. He is. Always will be. And then think about this. His purpose. Verse 40 and 41, let's read it. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And let me say this, God is not Santa Claus. His business is not just to bless you. His business is to better you. We treat God like he's a candy machine. If we put enough things in, he'll get some good stuff out. His, his prerogative, he doesn't just sit up in heaven looking to shower down all these things on you that, you that you want and you enjoy cotton candy from heaven. His goal is to make you more like Jesus. And those men evidently needed to go through a storm. Why? Because they needed to have a stronger faith. You know when you get faith in God, when you lose your own. What do you mean by that? When everything else is stripped away and you've got nothing that you can do, it's totally out of your control. That's when you find out faith begins, the song talks about. You see what they say in the last verse? What manner of man is this? You say, why did he put them through that storm? Why did we go through... COVID. Why am I going through losing my job? Why did we bury our baby? Why did we have to do that? He wanted them to see him in a greater light than they saw him before. They'd been with him and they believed him when he said he was who he was and all of that. But once they went through that circumstance and their control was lost and he had to take over, they had a different perception of that person than they'd ever had before. What manner of man is this? He said, even the wind and the sea obey him. Charles Spurgeon made that statement. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I think about this. The storm was not the point. The storm was the process. The point was Jesus wanted to reveal himself in a greater way in their life. Now you can get angry about it and we do. You can get bitter about it and we do. And you can doubt and we do. But I tell you what, you pass the test and don't get mad at the teacher. And you'll know more about your Lord on the other side than you knew when you set sail on this side. It's funny, I have the reference, Psalm 30 and verse 5 written, Now weeping may endure for the night, and it might, but the night has an end. And joy cometh in the morning. I think about that man. I don't guess I'll ever forget his face. I don't know his name, but I don't think I'll ever forget his face. And I won't ever forget how it made me feel when I turned around and saw him there. And then you think you're, you think you're a preacher until somebody asks you to give him help in a situation like that. And you think, what am I supposed to say to that? And he literally looked at me and said, you're trying to tell me God cares about me. Maybe you're here today and you've done that. Maybe not audibly, but in your heart. How come that person didn't lose their job and we lost ours, God? 
How come that place is so free and we're so shut down, God? How come that person's not sick and our family battles these illnesses, God? Don't you even care? I want to remind you. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. And his heart is touched with your grief. Today, if you'll cast your care, thank God you can walk out of here and not have to keep it. Because he'll keep it for you. He won't just keep it, but thank God he can take care of it. If you'll let him. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I pray God helped you. Man, I think God helped me in the preparation, but I hope he helped you in the preaching of it today. You're here today and that's you situationally. Maybe you have a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe you've got a problem in your home. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's the future. Maybe it's health. There's so many things. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.